Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. The Mind Twist, a conspiracy theory radio show where we bring you some of the world's most controversial, thought-provoking, and unresolved conspiracy theories. We cut through the red tape and take a closer look at the paradoxes, evidences, and history. The harder it is to believe, the more intriguing it becomes. Let's unravel the evidence together and find what's concealed in the world's most disputed conspiracies and get to the truth, or will we? And now, get ready to have your mind twisted on Mind Twist Conspiracy Theory Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Twist. I'm your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., and my other host is Ema Sumac Watkins, who is in Los Angeles. And tonight we have a fascinating guest, Calvin Parker. And I'm going to tell you his story so he doesn't have to tonight because he's told it one million times. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know that on October 11th, 1973, Calvin and his friend Charles Hickson were fishing on the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. In that early evening, they were startled when a strange craft descended and hovered a few feet above the ground and just a few yards from where they were located. Before they had a chance to run, an opening appeared in this craft and outfloated three humanoid creatures. Both men were absolutely terrified when these creatures grabbed them and took them aboard the craft. On the craft, both men were subjected to examination, and at one point they were so as they believed they were going to die. Minutes later, both Calvin and Charles were deposited back on the riverbank and the craft departed. Taking off in their car, the two terrified witnesses eventually located a public telephone box and phoned the local sheriff. A short time later, they were being interviewed at their local sheriff's office. They were disoriented, but they told their story of their close encounter and abduction by these creatures. The next day, all hell broke loose as the press descended on this little town. Calvin seriously, or Calvin, seriously disturbed by these events, has largely remained in the background without ever detailing the full account of what happened that night and how it affected him and his life and other close encounters that he has experienced down the years. Now, for the first time, Calvin has decided to tell his story, and he wrote a book called Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story. And we're going to talk about this tonight, and I want to welcome Calvin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Quite an honor to be with y'all. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. So let's talk about why people know the story. I mean, most people that are tuning in tonight know the story. And I do want to let people know, if you do want to call in, please call 
8494. We would love to chat with you. Calvin would love to hear from you as well. So feel free to call in at any time. Um, why write the book now, Calvin? Well, it was really strange. I didn't want to write a book. I was at a funeral of a neighbor of mine. I'm in a wake, and I signed a register. Now, this is 45 years later, and somebody recognized my name on the register, started asking questions. Out of respect for the family, I just left. And on the way home, my wife said, why don't you write a book? I said, well, I'm really uneducated. I can't write a book. I don't know how. I can't even spell my name hardly. And she's, uh, I said, if I get a ghostwriter, I'll go ahead and do it. Thinking that would shut her up. And the lady gave me a little time. So the next day, for some unknown reason, the publisher that uh, published this book in the U.K., Philip Merrill, he uh, he called. He had got my number from years back from a podcast, and I still had the same number. And he wanted to talk about a different related subject than that. But it came up, he said, well, he asked me the same question. Why did you, why had you already wrote a book or something? I said, well, the press is really good about changing stuff. You tell them one story and they go off and get into another and they try to make it bigger than what it is. And actually it's really a big story, especially to me. So right. he uh, said, well, look, it's your legacy. You need to write a book, and it'd be documented, and they can't change it. And that made a lot of sense to me. So oh, I, absolutely. I agreed to do the book. I said, but the only way I would do this, if you don't spell a word right, you don't punctuate nothing, you do not edit anything I say, I could care less how it came out. So you just run it, whatever it is, it's that's what it is. And he did that, and he's been good to his word. And he's took a lot of criticism, but uh, also it made the book a better story because everybody said it's like sitting in the living room and talking to you and you telling your story. Mm-hmm. Bet mm-hmm. I didn't do it like a book book. Yes, I love that, yeah. And, and you know something? Um, hi, Calvin. This is Ema. Um I wanted to also speak about, you know, everyone, please go out and buy the book, first of all, because this is all, the show is also about the book. Uh, but first of all, I just want to say, Calvin, that both Donna and I are believers, okay? So we're not here to, you know, this isn't about saying if you're right or wrong. I, what we want to go from is like, what happened next? And I don't mean about the publicity and all that, because everybody can read that in the book. But what we want to know, and I think the questions what we want to find out for all of us out there who also believers, is what happened to you personally? Like emotionally, um, what happened as the years went by, you know, just that sort of stuff. So let's start with the question of what happened to you physically and emotionally what? after this happened? This changed my whole life. My my life was set around, I was due to get married in October of that same, I mean in November of that same year. All I wanted to do was get married, buy a house, have children, have grandchildren, 
and and retire. And that was I thought was quite a simple life, but all that changed. My whole world turned upside down after this. I left uh, the Gulf Coast. I quit a job, left the Gulf Coast, and I went back to a little town called Laurel, Mississippi, and uh, tried to live a normal life. But this influenced my life so much that it was just hard to live a normal life. I mean, it affected my family. And the biggest reason there, I never talked to my wife. I never talked to my children. I never talked to uh, any my friends, anyone about this. I just kept it under hat and tried to keep it calmed down. But the great thing about it, and I don't think it's so great now, it, it's more understanding now, is that they never asked me about it. So all these years I've kept a secret. And, you know, you kind of feel like you're going to hell for keeping a secret like this. So, uh mm-hmm. This really opened up every avenue when uh, I wrote the book. If somebody come up now and want to talk about it or want to ask about it, I say, first of all, buy the book, read about it. I'm out of the storytelling business. And I never <laughs> really storytelling business. Mm-hmm. So this book so, really opened up avenues for me. So, so that means that emotionally, you must, I mean, carrying a secret is emotionally burdening, first of all, right? And and it hurts. It hurts, you know, to be carrying around such a big secret like that because I know that people out there who have, like, say, for instance, who have had your other experiences like yours um, or who are very, very psychic and they can't – and now it's a little bit better because everybody's more open, but – the people who were really psychic back in the day and they couldn't talk about it because they called you crazy or they would try to disregard you or they tried to make it prove that you were wrong. And so it was like this big shame thing, you know? And so it must've been a very hard thing for you to go through all that, all that life. And I'm really glad that this has happened for you. Um, and my yep. next question, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. It was really hard to go through. It's like doing a big sin and not telling nobody and having to live with this all the time and not being able to talk about it because you know it's going to blow up on Yes, yes. And my next, uh, what I'd like to find out from you is, now, being that you made contact with them, with and we'll just say aliens because we don't know what where they you know where they came from and all that. But this extraterrestrials here they are that did all this stuff on you, and energetically there must be something that happened. What happened after you? Like did was it a perspective? Because I know you had to hold it in, but I mean, did something else happen to you? Um, you know, physically, emotionally, psychically. You know, what else happened? Anytime you get emotionally down, you're going to get physically down. And mm-hmm. through the years, this has really been a problem. You know, I have fought uh, high, real high blood pressure, 205 over 105 on average, ever since wow. this happened. Wow. And uh, it eventually led into a stroke, which eventually led into two open-heart surgeries. It, it's just kind of the worry about it. And... You know, looking back now, I don't know why I worried about it so much. I should have just 
made up a good story, and I'm glad I didn't, and told them a good story and got it over with, then everybody would look at me with doubt, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't have to talk about it. But I mm-hmm. didn't. I, there's, for some reason, I felt like one day I would talk about it, but I, before I died, and, you know, I, I just couldn't talk about it until... This all opened up. I, I believe in God, and I think he opens up a lot of territory for you. And you sure got does. a time and a... And I told, uh, I told him a book, you know, I've got an expiration date on my head, and when it gets stamped, I don't want to die with this. And people that I live around, my family, my friends, and the people on the coast down here, Mississippi Gulf Coast, I don't want them to uh, always wonder about this. I want to be open, and and they really took it with open arms. I don't get, get no ridicule or nothing that much. See, now, but but I think that you did the right thing because you knew. You knew that oh, this yeah. was going to be the right time, you know, and that you were going to get a lot of love back from it. And I think that's I think that's admirable, and from my from what I see. Now, what, what I also, the reason I'm also asking you is because I have read of others who have had encounters, and some of them who have come, who have walked away, um, have gotten like other things. Like some of them got really interested in math and like the certain levels of things and their body change. And 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 you tell me about all the all the illnesses. But has there is there anything else that has happened? And what the other question is. Did you, did they come back? Well, I believe, yeah, I I really believe in 1993 this happened again. I went fishing and uh, I had left the house. I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm just going to be gone till dark. I'll be back home at dark. So I think at 93 I missed a, a lot of time. And I had went underwent hypnosis for Bud Hopkins and found out that, uh, you know, I had a similar experience to that, except this was quite physical because I had made up in my mind that I wasn't going to leave without evidence. But I think it wasn't a reincurring thing like a lot of people have over time, but it just kind of happened again in 93. Do you think they, my my question is, do you think all these years that they've been watching you, and when, if you think that, how, what's the feeling you get, or how do you know that they might be watching you? Well, yeah, I feel like they did, and I feel like when they came back the second time, that I, they might have had a transmitter or something on me, and they was going to get it out of my nasal cavities. And they, it kind of strangled me and suff, uh, suffocated. And we actually got into a physical confrontation on the ship or whatever we might have been on. And I, I slammed her head against the wall because she had a lot of blood and I had a lot of blood. And if I had known then that it was part of her blood and they had DNA, I had physical evidence. I could have brought that and saved that shirt. And uh, yeah. they could have got physical evidence from it, and I would have got to the bottom of a lot of questions for me also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so do you clearly remember this last incident? 
Well, I do, but I didn't. When Bud Hopkins hypnotized me, he put a post-hypnotic suggestion in my head because I was so upset that I couldn't remember, I wouldn't and couldn't remember this until it was time that I could handle it and remember this. And actually, when I wrote the book, the publisher, Philip Mantle, got a copy, a copy of the original tapes, and I won't tell you, they were scary to me because I didn't realize I was hypnotized. I went out and told my wife she was sitting on the screen porch. I said, you're not going to believe this, but I was actually hypnotized. Now, I wouldn't listen to all the tape because I didn't want that to put nothing in my mind. And I, then it started flashing back. I was on a show with Linda Moulton Howe, and uh, she asked some questions, and it got everything coming back, and it got easier to remember. And now it's just like I could sit here. I'm in a big rocket chair, and I could sit here laying my head back. It's like watching TV and all of it going through. But I remember it in detail even more than what came out in the hypnosis. So, so but, was it the same ones? It was, because in the, in the book, you can read in that, the transcripts are in the book. I kept saying, I know, and I know her, I know her. She'd come back to kill me. Now, why I called her a her, I don't know. I guess to relate to the her size and the frame of her body, you know, it, it just looked like a female to me. So I had to call her something. But mm-hmm. I said, I know her, I know her. She came back to kill me. I said, but I'm going to grab her around the neck and take her with me. And, yeah, it was the same ones because I specifically said that I knew her. Mm-hmm. Do you think they would have it would have killed you if they had the opportunity, if you hadn't fought back? Yeah, I believe they would. They come out there. She had the big bodyguard. You know, there was two different-looking creatures. One was a robot. She, I believe, she had complete control of this thing. And, uh, you know, I think he was there to protect her. And when I, anytime somebody runs a finger down your throat and turn it, come up behind that little hang-me-down thing, and you start choking and strangling, you know, you know, you don't have nothing to lose by the Mm -hmm. conviction of dying. Right. It was so bad, it was to the point that, uh, my wife, uh, she won't even listen to the transcript that came back or read them. Yeah, it's got to be it's it's got to be traumatizing for her as well because she loves you so much and you don't like to see anyone that you love so much go through any kind of pain or suffering. And I'm sure you know after all these years, she's probably saying, "My God, you know," when she hears parts of this, and it's just got to be heart wrenching. To know that you've gone through all this without saying anything. And that's another thing, too, is that people have to realize that someone like you, who has kept this secret for so long, you, you aren't in this to make money. I mean, you could have gone off and, and made up all these stories about what had happened and made all this money and, you know, whatever. You chose not to say anything until you knew the time was right. And you chose to say something for a reason, so people can't change your words. And I think that's very commendable for you as well. I would love to see. I would love to see this made into a movie. I and it's a possibility, but you know, 
we've had offers, Philip and I have, but we would read something like a screenplay, and I would completely reject them. And, you know, he's always said the final decision is yours. And I've always said, I want the truth. And whatever it is, is what it is. If somebody come forward and said, well, I've seen you over there passed out drunk and you're just having flashbacks, well, that's fine. <laughs> it's an incredible witness, you know. So, uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you the truth. Um, right. So you, I, I just have a question, and we have a caller, by the way, and I'm, and caller, if you're listening, we're going to get right to you, but I have one question. You know, this the Project Blue Book is very, very popular right now on the History Channel. Have they approached you? No Project Blue Book hadn't, but Dr. Heineck, who was over Project Blue Book, approached me, him and Dr. Harder, on their own dime to come down and talk to me, and he did wow. a... Uh, a big interview, and we got examined by Dr. Harder from the university. And they was down the next day, and they came down to find out facts. And Dr. Heineck actually said something happened. I don't know what happened, but something happened to these two. If they was actors, they need to be in Hollywood. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So, so then, then, then you guys have got to be on because they're going through the entire blue book. But we're going to get this caller, so hold on, everyone. Hold on. Hi, this is this is the mind to us. Who we're who we're speaking with? Uh, yes, uh, this is Mike. Uh, how are you, everyone? Good, Hi, Mike. good, Mike. Yes, yes. You know, uh, in 1976, uh, it was uh, Tehran UFO incident. Uh, is one of the best encounters that uh, was documented. Uh, at that time, I mean, uh, there were some calls to Tehran airport tower uh, and saying that a flying saucer or something on, you know, some lights, strange lights on top of the north part of uh, Tehran. And then, as a result, uh, they uh, approved two F-5s at that time um, coming from the east of the, uh, Iran uh, within five minutes, I mean, uh, supersonically. And uh, when they approached uh, a UFO, uh, UFO, all their instruments basically went haywire. And one of them was uh, uh, General Parviz Jafari, uh, that you, you can see it on the YouTube. And he also wrote a book, Dark Fight Over Tehran, a book. And so, uh, you know, um, at that time, of course, the CIA was in charge and uh, they called both of the, I mean, one of the uh, pilots, uh, General Paris Jaffrey, I mean, at that time was lieutenant, uh, and uh, he came, uh, before he landed, he saw a part of UFO landed in part of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tehran. So they went and dig on it, I mean, they went and looked for it, even villagers and etc but they couldn't find any parts 
But mm-hmm. then, uh, when they were interviewed, at that time, we have it here, declassified information. And so uh, they, they told them that, you know, uh, you, you don't need to say certain things they have phased out out of their interviews and they CIA took uh, the responsibility after that event until after revolution in Iran unfortunately you know everybody had to leave Iran uh, mm-hmm. so he left at that time he was a general of the Iranian Air Force and then he came to United States and then he told the truth what happened so mm-hmm. I wanted to know I, that I, I if think... you, you know ahead, about it. Yes, I wanted yes, to know I... that. Do you know about You know Quite something? Please. Thank you. Thank you for, for bringing it up. And we will. It, it's, we've been going through a lot of different um, encounters, and we plan to get people on as we go because we want people to have a they, This is a place where you can come and feel comfortable and safe to, you know, to talk about it. Now, do you have, do you have a question for Mr. Calvin Parker? Hey, I mean, uh, it's, uh, very unlogical to think that we are the only, uh, human species in this planet because uh, since, uh, since NASA found many, many other planets in uh, close by uh, our galaxy or even Mars or even beyond uh, Mars, they find nine planets similar to the Earth. So uh, I want to ask is, uh, so I, are we alone or are we not alone, please? Thank you. Okay. Calvin, you can go ahead and answer that. Well, it's really hard to answer this. Any anybody with a little common sense can look up and count the stars, the forever stars or planets around. And I've asked myself the same question: Are we or are we not? But I have to believe that uh, we're not alone here. I think we're down here more or less like an experiment for some reason. So I believe the same really thing. You know, I don't believe God just created us. And put us down here. You know, he said he put us in his image. I think he created a lot of races. And he brought them together. And you know, you have cruel people here in the in the U.S. Just look at the different uh, people. You have good people. You have cold-hearted people. You have cruel people. And I just believe we was all put here for a reason. And I hadn't figured that out myself yet. Mm-hmm. I just take it as it goes and see what happens. Well, you were definitely assigned to be here because, or else, why would they? You know, it's inter- I find it interesting because, you know, you're here to talk about this. You know, you're here to talk about this, and I find it interesting that they had a trans, they had they had a tracker in you for 20 years, and exactly to that year that they come back and get you. Do you know what I mean? And do this to you again. So. It's. It, I. I also agree about the about the experiment, Donna. I have a well. I have a question because I wanted to ask Calvin. Um, you, when you came, we were talking about health issues and things that you might have noticed that may have changed in you. Um, 
do you feel like you have more of a psychic ability now that this has happened to you? Do you have like a greater intuition? Are you more sensitive to things? Well, the only thing I'm more sensitive to is my wife. I mean, she's been with me all this time here. <laughs> oh. Since I have uh, opened up and talked about this, and she encouraged it, and we did it together. You know, I just let everything go, and whatever happens, happens. And uh, she said, well, what if you get ridiculed? What if somebody don't believe you? I said, what does it matter? I don't care if they believe it or not. Read the book. We have physical evidence. We have eyewitness accounts. We have polygraph tests. We have voice stress tests. Everything in that book I hold up in a court of law. So, and the Bible says for two people come forward and and tell, you know, it's, it's a, that's the way that it is. But nowadays, you know, people ain't so honest, but uh, everybody's starting to come out a little bit now. Somebody says, well, my parents, remember this, and they told me this always coming up when we go to these book signings, what their story is. And we've actually had eyewitnesses that live back in that came forward, and we're getting uh, ready to release some of their names and some of their testimonies to the press. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, since since the book has come out, and it seems, from what you're telling me, that you've gotten some very good positive response. Now, has your life changed? How has your life changed since this book has come out? Like, give me positive well, and negative, or give me, give me, give it to me straight. For years, you know, I never mentioned to my family or family. Then when this book came out, I sat down and talked to them, and uh, I was able to tell them about it. Well, that was a major relief off my shoulders just right there, just talking to my family about it. You know, I've got a daughter, 42 years old, that I owe an explanation to. And uh, my wife, I really owed her one because, you know, she stayed with me through all this. And it's like any other marriage. We had some really hard times, and we've had good times, though. But we've had uh, easier times since the book came out. And we can sit down and communicate because most women want to know, and they want to know facts, and they want you to lay it down. It don't matter what it is. It don't matter if you go out and have an affair or whatever. If you lie to them, you're in a lot of trouble when you when they find out. So she's that's one of these type people. That, so that's really opened me up. And the general public, oh, I've had fun. It's been great. Now, as far as money-wise from the book, everybody knows it's really no money come out of a book. Everybody knows that. True. So, uh, but what little, what, what we do when we give back to our community, I donate my time to go around and talk to people and visit people. I go to these book signings for one reason. That's to hear their story because everybody's got a story. And I, I don't mind setting priors and listening to people. I do. So it's opened me up uh, socially anyway. That's, it's got to be a weight like weight lifted off your shoulders, too. Just all the baggage you're carrying around. Now it's like, a, you know, it's got to lighten you up a ton. Oh, it is. If, uh, for instance, if somebody 
Now, I have never done this, but if somebody goes out and kills somebody and hides it for all these years, that's got to weight on our soul. And yeah. uh, if they get caught, I know it's got to be a relief off of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're releasing uh, pressure and getting this pressure off. It's also getting my health a little better. That's great. That's really, really great. Now, do, I do you feel... Remind- Go ahead, I'm Go sorry, ahead, Donna. Go ahead, I was going to say, do you feel, because I know, because I know there's got to be some, something got altered in you by just by being in them and, and you may not. And do you feel that they'll come back? Uh, you know, that's a hard question to answer. Uh I hope they don't, not with me, anyhow. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, oh, you've been blessed when they picked you up and all that. I wish it had been me. I said, well, I wish it had been you, too. I'd have a normal <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> and, I've actually met some real nutty people, but I've met some good, down-to-earth people over this. Uh, everything's more open now. You know, back mm-hmm. when this happened to me, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any social media. Somebody said, well, why didn't you call for there? Well, you call, it costs you about six, $700 if you happen to have a cell phone. Yeah. yeah. And That's then I've had the, somebody come by and said, well, they got shipyard, uh, cameras all down to the shipyard. They got to remember this was 1973. They didn't have it. True. So, you know, we didn't have all this mess going on then, like Homeland Security and all this, because I could care less. It was a different time. It was a different area. Yeah. Yeah. And and so now, what's what's next for you? What's what's happening? What's what's next for you? Tell us. Well, I kind of wish I knew. But I, I scheduled to go to some of these uh, conferences around and talk. I scheduled up through October. And then in October, that's probably going to be my last one. I'm not saying it's going to be, but most likely going to be one. we got a houseboat. We're going to move on it, go off grid totally. I'm going to throw my phone away, my computer away, and uh, we're me and my wife just going to disappear in the sunset. Probably nobody ever hear from us again. If they find us, it's going to be on that water. It's going to be hard. So that, that's <laughs> what I want to do. I want to do. And you deserve okay, to do that. You deserve yeah. to do that. Calvin, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. I know you're busy, and gosh, you're such a joy. I hope we can have you on before you disappear. I hope we can have you on I know. again. Can you? I, I love you. Would you, would you come back? Oh, in a minute, y'all have my phone number. Y'all have an email address. Yeah, it, we sure do. It's so much fun talking to y'all, and y'all changing the uh, format of the show a little bit. You know, yeah, it does get a little stressful for you. I, I mean, it's like people ask the same questions over and over again, and it's like, uh, and you have to tell the story, how you saw the light, and the ship opened up, and it's like, well, let's just tell it for him, and let's just ask the questions and have fun. So, I'm, and I'm glad we had a caller. But I want to remind 
one too that it's called Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story by Calvin Parker. You can get it on Amazon.com. It's there. And do you have audio? Is it on audiobook as well, Calvin? Is it just Kindle? It and Everything's on audio. And uh, I, well, actually, I never really checked on it. I know it's on the bestsellers list. It's been out for a long time. Yeah, it's doing very well. I'm glad it went public because I feel like it's a help somebody else going through this. Mm -hmm. But uh, if a person's real legitimate about this, it'll come around. And and all they got to do is just stay true to themselves. Stay true to what happened and true to themselves. That is such a great... Go ahead, Calvin. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I don't feel like I'll be revisited again, but I might. Who knows? I didn't feel like I would the first time. I understand. Yeah. Well, I well, I, we definitely want you back before you you go off the grid, and I completely understand that you would. Um, and you know, and definitely thank you so much for coming forward because, as you say, there's a lot of people out there who need the courage to come out. And by you doing what you're doing, um, it helps others to come out and follow what you did, you know, and and be able to feel better about what's going on as well. Well, it, it helped me to come out. My suggestion to if stuff like this happens, document everything you can. Everybody has a camera in their hands on their phone. Take pictures of. Try to remember what's done, what's said. Remember everything. Then you go to law enforcement, which that's my big problem right now. They do not know how to investigate something like this, so they just write it on a page and they never really reach down into it because they really don't know how. But uh, go to local law enforcement. Find an expert. I was uh, blessed with having Dr. Heineck come down for Project Blue Book and talking to me and get the facts first. And then I was also blessed with Philip Mantle because he's, uh, I guess, what they call a uologist or whatever they do. And he yeah. makes his very serious. And I noticed he digs for the truth. Now, he don't care. He'll listen to what you say. But if you tell that man something, you better be careful because... He's going to go after the truth, and no matter what, I've seen him take down a lot of conspiracy theories, and I admire him for that. He's a good guy to have on my side, Calvin, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to say, I want to say, please tell your wife thank you, too, for being so supportive for you and your story that all of us that were able to um, hear story now and I know that's a big part of her pushing you in the right direction so thank you to her as well and thank you so much Calvin I'm going to call you real soon I want you to come back again okay that would be great all right Calvin thank y'all is your wife sitting there hold on a second if your wife's sitting there yeah she's sitting here listening what's her name what's her name Wynette? Hey, Wynette. This is Ema. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet y'all. Nice to meet y'all. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice to meet you, too. Thank you so much.
for pushing him in the right direction to do this because, like, honestly, um, no one would really know the story, and and we need people to tell their stories. And so I'm just um, so thankful to you, too. And I know it's got to be difficult for you as a spouse to have watched him go through all this. But, you know, with all this coming out, I think it's a while that, you know, people hear from him now. That's Mm -hmm. what I told him. I said, Calvin, people are genuinely concerned. They're curious on how you're doing, what happened, why haven't we talked about it, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I would love to have you back on next time he comes on, too, because I would love to hear your side of everything. I think it would be so cool to hear what, you know, all the stuff you have to say and what you went through and how you got him to talk about it. So uh, if you're up for it, we'd love to have you, too. Yes, it would be our pleasure, honey. It sure would. All All right. right. Thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. This has been an enjoyable show. Thank y'all. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you. Thank you, Wayona. Thank you. We're going to talk soon. And to everybody else out there, this is the Mind Twist. And come on back because we're going to we're going to be able to give you more. Oh, our show Friday. Our show Friday is yes. Tell um, tell them about it. Okay, the show Friday is this Friday. Um, we are going to be talking about the Denver Airport conspiracy theories. Uh, I mean, it is crazy stuff, and so we want to unwrap that a little bit. And uh, uh, and I wouldn't have known about it unless my daughter had watched the show on Discovery Channel about it and said it was just so crazy. So I started doing some research, and I'm like, Ema, we need to this show <laughs> so friday that's what we're going to be talking about i cannot wait because you guys will not believe the stuff that is in this there it will blow your mind so we will see you next friday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific ima and i will be back again with another great show ima i'm going to go ahead and take us out go ahead go on out <laughs>